Bird's Eye View is a member of the Baltimore Sports Report Network. Find more podcasts like this at BaltimoreSportsReport.com. BaltimoreSportsReport.com. folks, welcome to Bird's Eye View. When it comes to the Baltimore Orioles, this weekly podcast is your official source for a lack of insight and for basis opinion. Today is May 22nd, 2017, and this is episode 202. My name is Scott Magnus. And I'm Jake English. And on today's show, we'll try to remember what it was that happened this past week, which is pretty much the synopsis for any show. We'll also face some inconvenient truths and some alternative facts. All right. And we'll do that right after we lubricate for the show and battle the alternative media. It's time for the drink of the week. Jake, what are you doing this week uh, for your drink of pleasure? Well, uh, I'm actually drinking a Hobgoblin, an English ruby beer. Pretty decent, but I don't want to talk about that. Yeah. I want to talk about something shameful that happened earlier in the week. Okay. Have you ever looked at, at your your bar or your, your liquor cabinet and just wondered, what can I do with that which remains? I'm, I'm running a little empty, and I just want to see what we can do here. What bad decisions can you make? Scott, um, I may have made a beer Rita out of Natty Bow. Beg your pardon? Took a National Bohemian... Uh, fresh squeezed some lime juice, uh, put some tequila in there, fresh squeezed a little bit of orange, uh, made myself uh, two and a half servings of uh, Birita. And I got to be honest with you, it was not as awful as one might think. You didn't get sick afterwards, did you? No, 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 no. Um, uh, although, you know, the baseball game uh, that particular evening may have caused that. But I, I bear my shame in front of you, Scotty. Um I'm sorry. Gotcha. Scotty, what are you drinking this week? Jake, I'm going with a Pepper Jack cocktail here. Uh, mm. It's Dr. Pepper and uh, Jack Daniels combined into one nice little concoction. You always put me to shame. Can, can I, I, like, I like the Hobgoblin, though. That's a, that's a good choice. I went into the, I went to the beer store and I said, uh, let's, let's pick something. Gentlemen, had. fancy me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'd like to ask the, the listeners this week, please. I, I just bared my uh, guilty pleasure of this week. I'm not interested in your fancy beer this week. I'm not interested in the great things you're into. Tell us your favorite. Hashtag guilty pleasures. Guilty pleasures. All right. When it comes to drink of the week. And if you would like to tell us these things, do it socially. Uh, you can tell us on Untapped at uh, MAGN8606. And I'm at Jake E 4025 Of course, you can always hit us up on other social media outlets, which we will cover at the end of the show. <laughs> Stay tuned. Stay tuned for the next uh, 60 minutes or so. We'll see what happens. Um, with that, let's go ahead and uh, dance on over to the medical wing. Time for your checkup. Time for your checkup. I'm going to check your ears, check your eyes, find out how much you've grown. Wait for it. I guess it's more like gently walk or limp, hobble, hobble, yeah. So 
Um, listen, there's a bunch of things on here. Zach Burton, yeah, shut down for 45 days, blah, 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 blah. Gabriel Noah, hamstring, he's going to come back and do a rehab start. Let's get to the meat of the, the medical wing. Ryan Flaherty going on the DL, strain right shoulder, and the deadly PRP injection um, happening. I have a theory about right. this, Scott. Okay. We've seen PRP all over the place this season. Zach Britton is down. Okay. The bullpen is in tatters. Okay. I know what they're doing, Scott. Ooh. They're harvesting. I see what you're doing. Ryan Flaherty's not hurt. Yeah. They sent him down to collect whatever magic is in that right shoulder. Uh Uh-huh. And they've taken it. And they're going to put that. They're going to put that directly in Zach Britton. And Zach Britton is going to come back more Mr. Effier than he was before. See, I like where you were going with this, and I thought it was going to go a different way. <laughs> so I thought you were going to say the Orioles have amassed this collection of stem cells and everything over the years. So why not turn their super utility player into a super player by injecting Ryan Flaherty with all this gunk and substance that has been collected within the warehouse for years upon years? So, you know, they can take a little bit of the degenerative hip from our bell, inject it directly in them. No, you don't think so? There's only so much you can do with Ryan Flaherty, but there's a lot. Brady you, Anderson would disagree, but there's a lot you can do with a little Ryan Flaherty. <laughs> I'm not even sure what that means. That sounds that sounds really bad. When but. we have a clip show, we need to remember this. <laughs> there's a lot you can do with a little Ryan. Flaherty. One second, let me let me document that. All right, we're good. We got Enhance. that documented. Enhance. Um, all right. Well, I think we've made a mess of uh, this given medical wing. Uh, you want to go to 140 characters or less? Let's do it this week. On the Twitters. And, and Scotty, I, I have a confession for you. I enjoy our shtick, but I enjoy it even more when people improve our shtick. So the Orioles won a game this week, and that put them in first place. I, of course, tweeted out a picture of uh, of uh, Xenia on a top from GoldenEye with my on a top pun. On the but top? <laughs> Matthew, on the top. Matthew Sprague, who tweets at msprague 518 really improved upon it he tweeted not by much we always did enjoy a good squeeze hashtag golden eye with a capital o my hat is tipped that's excellent well done jake uh speaking of this past week um it certainly was a reminder to back of the dark times um this tweet from orioles uncensored at o's uncensored this two-run deficit seems insurmountable. This is what the Dark Ages felt like for all of you young ones out there. Or, you know, Jason Lockenfora. Yeah. Yeah. And it's true. Or Dan Clark. That's exactly <laughs> how it felt. The next tweet that we're going to talk about comes from fake Buck Showalter, who tweets at fake underscore Buck. And I love this tweet. It says, we're going to need a bigger lead with a animated gif of the feeding chum to Jaws scene. It's delightful. I don't know why it took us this long to find this, but this needs to be a scheduled tweet. Um, Jake, I have a question for you. Did the Orioles official Twitter account uh, grow a sense of humor? Um, This past week, uh, the Orioles Twitter account put out a roar. Here comes at the big cat 28 in the eighth. We remain tied at three hashtag birdland. And um, what we, we got a lot of cat gifts and, um, uh, a lot of did you say meow aspects to it from super troopers um was this just a, a a purposeful tweet just so that they could post cat gifts on the internet multiple times i'm not gonna say it wasn't but i think the more impressive thing is that once it happened 
they let it happen. Yeah, but and where do they get all these cat gifts from? Well, you know, the internet has these. I think I don't know if it's gifts so much as videos. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. All right, here's an indication that Buck's priorities have simply not changed. This is a tweet that comes from Matt Kremnitzer. He tweets, of course, at Matt Kremnitzer. Hey, Seth, want to borrow one of Kim's eyes? Buck. Yeah, that's how it's been. Uh, Kim's had such a hard time getting in the lineup. Might as well use them somehow. So spoiler alert, um, Adam Jones hit his 125th home run, uh, record-breaking home run in Canyon Yards. And, and this tweet was is an interesting question. Um, it comes from Carney Cabeza at Luchit Orioles. And the poll is as follows. Does Adam Jones' home run warrant an orange seat at Camden? Discuss. Jake, your well, thoughts on the matter. I think Adam Jones is most likely to be the greatest Oriole of this generation, mainly because I think the greatest Oriole of this generation is going to go off to do great things on another team. Um, And if we're going back to another period of darkness, don't you think this is the kind of thing that will be celebrated for quite some time? Mm, No. He he may never get a statue, but you don't think they'll do an orange seat for him? No. This is not a major league baseball accomplishment or anything that is that big of a deal. I mean, it's like, oh, that's cool, but it's not that big of a deal. Sorry. Here's something that Joe Angel said on the broadcast. Should we go out and paint a, a swatch in the outfield for like Brian Roberts, like doubles that he hit back in the day? So we could be like, oh, that's the Roberts double gap alley. No, but we should put uh, one of his uh, uh, helmets, the huge minor league helmets, uh, and, and in a case uh, as a warning not to hit oneself in the head. Um, here's something that Joe Angel said on the, on the broadcast at the time. He said there were clearly a lot of Oreo fans out there that were glad that Adam Jones had overtaken Rafael Palmero because that record was tainted. Do you mm. agree? Disagree. See, I disagree, too. And I think that the 2005 washed-up Rafael Palmeira that got busted for for uh, PEDs is a different Rafael Palmeiro from the one that played a lot of great years in the late 90s for the Orioles. Yeah, he got it up a lot of times for the Orioles. <laughs> All right. Here here we go. Here's another tweet for us to uh, to get us settled in for this particular episode. And this comes to us from our friends, the Baltimoreans, who tweet at be morons nickname episode so you know the officially sanctioned thing to yell at your screen for bullpen meltdowns with a link to <gasps> the baltimoreans podcast what the 2017 nickname audit is here the best are back my friends for their uh, as their self-described third podcast in two years stop what you're doing right now stop this podcast stop the podcast turn on their podcast listen to it enjoy it, and then come back and try not to compare and contrast. Yeah, it's pretty pathetic. Um, you know what else was pretty pathetic this week um, was uh, the Baltimore Orioles um, and pretty much their pitching in general. So um, let's break down the, the ugly, ugly, ugly numbers. So, Jake, coming into Monday night's game, the Orioles find themselves just a half a game out of first place. And, in fact, going into Sunday's game, they had a half a game lead in the first place. 
Um, but despite going a paltry 3-7 and seven in their past 10 games, and just how ugly were those last 10 games? Well, the O's won from May 8th to May 20th without winning a game in regulation. Um, and those that they won in extra innings were, were few and far between, let's be honest. So, Jake, we knew a swoon was coming after April. Um, we knew that um, a regression to the mean was going to happen. But the question, of course, comes back to what the heck happened? And um, let's let's go through some some instances. So uh, coming out of the National Series, we had the karma punishing us for letting Matt Wieters go. Uh, then we had the Kansas City Royals Series where the uh, Royals decided to uh, pull out the ghost of the ALCS 2014 and haunt us. Um, and there were one-run losses galore um, from the National Series, the Royals Series, and a few during the Tiger Series, too. Um, and it certainly seemed coming into this past weekend that the Orioles were going to um, be buried once again um, in, in, in the mire of a uh, particularly poor month. Can I make a confession? Sure. I feel like the last week has just been a blur. Like, I don't even know how to describe it. Usually when we come in here, uh, you know, I, I can get get by without having to study because I watch these games. <laughs> I listen to these games and, you know, I take them all in. But after so many games of just the same plot over and over again playing out, they all kind of run together. Starter, kind of embarrassing, but the team battles back. Mm-hmm. Then the relievers let it go. Team battles back, the relievers let it go again, and then the not-so-lovely totals. Yeah. Here's what I would say to that is, um, for the past five years or so, uh, the Orioles have fit a script um, that was pretty easy to predict, um, which has made this podcast pretty easy for you to come in ill-prepared. Sure, I've been phoning it in for years. You have. Um, Now, that being said, the Orioles have decided to flip that script, and as we discussed earlier— um, behave in a fashion that is more similar to Dark Ages baseball over this past um, few games in terms of a underperforming starting pitcher, um, a blowing up bullpen, and a team that tries to keep themselves in the game, but ultimately at the end of the day fails miserably to do so. So it is the question of what do we make of this going forward for the season? Is this what we are coming to expect for the rest of the season? Or is this, once again, the ups and downs of the Baltimore Orioles um, as we have learned to love and hate them over this past few five years? Well, I mean, one thing I'll say about this this past, you know, 10 days or whatever is that it's been ugly and it's been no fun. But there's also stuff there that makes you think that it won't always be like that. I mean, I think you and I did a pretty good job of keeping our heads about us saying that, you know, they won't always be this good. And so now we just have to draw upon that and say they won't always be that bad sure and i i think that it's it's easy to get glib and say oh well you're just saying that they're not as bad as they are now because you don't want them to be which is true i mean let's face it but i think if you look at the talent on this team i think that you're just seeing a a sequencing thing where everybody's underperforming and that just statistically can't happen right it probably can't happen let's go let's look i think coming back and looking at this past week i don't think there's a better game uh to talk about then uh, the May 16th game, which again was last Tuesday, uh, the extra inning game that went 13 innings. Um, and actually, it's a pretty good um, representation of uh, tonight's game as well, where the Orioles took a 7-1 to lead going into the bottom of the third. Uh, gave three runs back to the tires to bring it to 7-4. to um, And then kind of 
kept the game pretty close until the Tigers blew it up with four runs and and gave up basically a, a pretty decent lead. Um, but here's the thing. You look back at all these games where the Orioles have lost, and it's not like they've gotten smoked on any one of these games. Every single game, the Orioles have managed to rally and come back and, and keep it close. And I think that's the real big takeaway that you can take from this. Um, the offense is still performing at a pretty decent clip is the best way to describe it outside of Sunday's game where it was, you know, an absolute travesty in terms of how many strikeouts they had against Estrada. The Orioles have continued to show that fighting spirit and being able to come back in games. And you are right. The relief pitching has been abysmal um, over the past two weeks. Um, is it overworked? I mean, it's a possibility. Um, but you can't, I can't imagine that the relief pitchers and the starting pitchers are all going to be bad um, like this for a prolonged period of time, especially Brock and O'Day. I think that you look what Brock and O'Day were doing out there, and they definitely looked like they were tired. They weren't getting as much movement on their pitches. But I, I'm kind of hoping now that that is starting to turn turn the curve and they're going to get that, that movement back. So you're saying it's the track record that you believe in. Uh, I am going with the Steve Molesky track record aspect for this for this game of basically saying that they can't be as bad as what they have been showing over the past few weeks. But, I mean, outside of that, I look at what the Orioles are doing. Their starting pitching is meh at best. Um, their offense is putting up runs, but their bullpen falling apart has been the real story of everything going on. And until that bullpen gets straightened out, uh, this team is probably not very good. And, and they have to get that bullpen average if not above average if they're going to get back to their winning ways do you think that this is all about simply not having zach Britton? i don't because it comes back to you look at what brock and givens and o'day have been doing and they've been doing absolutely nothing i mean one of your best relief pitchers over the past week has been alec asher so if alec asher is one of your best relief pitchers that's not a good sign yeah i i don't buy that either uh and i i don't think that you know, the fact that everybody's had to slot up to a position that they're not familiar with or whatever is the reason that Brad Brock simply can't get outs. You know, it doesn't matter if he's pitching in the eighth or the ninth. He's just been unable to get outs, and that's out of character for him. Sure. Um, you know, Darren O'Day, did he get old overnight? You know, is he still hurt? What's the deal? I, I don't think. I don't think so. It's just unfortunate that it's happening at the same time. Uh, one of the starts that we saw this week was Dylan Bundy, you know, falling apart for once after sure. eight consecutive quality starts. Right. He couldn't have been perfect forever. What? But That's not allowed? <laughs> but I think the more important question is, will Kevin Gosman ever get right again? You know, he's had, you know, how many starts now of meh. Will he manage to right the ship? Will we continue to see pretty good starts from Wade Miley? Because I don't think that that is a guarantee whatsoever. Well, let, let's talk a little bit about Kevin Gosman and let's bring up Chris Tillman in the same verse. I was very – Goffman was meh to me as well. But it certainly didn't strike me as, oh, my gosh, this guy is particularly performing bad. Um, 7.5 Ks per nine, 1.5 walks per nine. Yeah, there were a lot of hits out there. But, again, you, if you got one of the best defenses out there in baseball, allegedly, why don't you go ahead and use them? And just instead of nibbling at the corners, which Goffman has been doing and basically getting walks in the process – why don't you just say, you know, I'm going to let them try to hit it occasionally and see if my defense can actually catch it. Yeah, I, I think that the issue has been control. 
I think that he's been having a very difficult time controlling the fastball sure. this year. And he's been relying on his secondary pitches. And whereas I think that, that his secondary pitches are impressive, he can't only use those. And the, and the thing is, is that... I would even th- come back and say his secondary pitches aren't impressive. And until he starts getting that splitter down, he's going to be meh at best. But you look at his splitter, he's sh- it's not as bad as it was at the beginning of the season. But I wouldn't say it's as good as it was last year. But he was able to grit through it that that game and i come back to for as much as we love you know pitchers like um chris tillman or in the past jeremy guthrie to say oh i really like that bulldog attitude where you're able to gut through it i don't understand why we can't get that same credit to kevin gossman when he has a performance like that yeah yeah i all right so you you don't sound that worried about kevin gossman you think it'll just round its way out this season i think based off of what i've been seeing over the past few starts I'm liking the progression that I'm seeing from Kevin Gossman. Would I like it, him to be an ace? Absolutely. Would I like him to have a season like Bundy's having? Absolutely. But I think Kevin Gossman is starting to turn the corner and be that potential number two, number three starter in this rotation. Can we talk about the elephant in the room? Sure. Abaldo Jimenez. Oh. Abaldo Jimenez's last start was um, was not very good. I, I got into a discussion with cooler heads because I may have been throwing a, a Twitter temper tantrum. You? It may have happened. And and I said, this has got to be it. This has got to be it for him. We are not getting anything that we can't get out of a replacement value player. Sure. Call it Alec Asher. Call it Gabriel Yanoa. What, whoever you can find right. in our minor league rotation. I truly believed after last week's start that you couldn't get worse than what you were getting now. And and cooler heads prevailed on Twitter, and they told me that's that's not how this works, right? We've still got him for $13.5 million or whatever it is. The Orioles are going to keep going to that horse until they absolutely can't. And besides, eventually he writes himself and we get okay starts every once in a while. Scotty, we're recording here on a Monday night. It's 9.30 and a 6-2 Oriole lead or 5 nothing Oriole lead has, for the moment, because it's not over yet in the 6, turned into a 11-6 Orioles drubbing at the hands of the Minnesota Twins. That's right, no 5-run lead, save from Obaldo Jimenez, and his version of Orioles magic is turning a 5-run lead into a 5-run deficit. So I ask you, what are we going to do with Obaldo Jimenez? Well, Obaldo Jimenez isn't showing anything at this point, so either... It's DL or DFA at this point. I mean, I understand he's he costs money, but the aspect of what I've come back in the previous years and said is he costs you money and you need to hold on to him for future seasons. At this point, he has no additional value. He's just hurting you because your cost has already been sunk into the season. Um, you need to find out within your Norfolk shuttle um, who could potentially be that option, basically. Um, is it a Noah? Is it um, Asher? Is it... Tyler Wilson, and even though I don't think it's Tyler Wilson, I, I still would like to see how Anoa and or Asher would do in that potential starter role, um, and and just see what happens. And if it doesn't work out, then it's more impetus on the Orioles to basically go out and go trade for a starting pitcher sooner rather than later for the before the trade deadline. And, and the thing is, is that it doesn't with, have to be someone good. I mean, it, it just needs to be a fifth starter. With those guys, you don't know what you're getting. You know what you're getting with the Baldo Jimenez, sure. 
you know, people joke, oh, uh, he's like a box of chocolates. No, at this point, it's all the same crappy chocolate over and over and over again. And at some point, if you want to be good, you've got to cut bait. The Orioles have a two-year window. They have a two-year window to be good, or that's it. And they're wasting every fifth start. And oh, by the way, their game's in the standings with every start that they give to Ebaldo Jimenez. Yeah, I mean, I just, it, it can't happen anymore. I mean, as much as I want to have Ebaldo work out, it just doesn't make sense anymore for the Orioles. Um, and and as much as people want to say, you know, this team isn't going to throw away money like that. The team has thrown away money before. Let's go back to 2015 where the Orioles shuttled away $25 million worth of salary just to try to make a run to the playoffs. So the Orioles can drop salary if they need to. Um, it's just that whoever they bring in his place can't be that much money. I, I would I would encourage anyone who says that the Orioles can't waste money by getting rid of Ibaldo Jimenez to look at Monday night's game and ask themselves how they're not throwing their money away in addition to their season by letting him continue to start. Yeah. Um, so pitching obviously is a major issue. Jake, let me ask you this question. Uh, we are only at the end of May, but we are heading into June. Um Trades are going to start coming up a little bit um, as talking points in June. Jake, if I could offer you a starting pitcher or a relief pitcher right now, which one would you rather have? Um, I think I'd rather have a starter because if we could start getting more innings from the rotation, I think that even if overwork is not the issue, it would help the bullpen settle themselves down. All right. So you would rather have a, a mediocre starter, basically, than potentially a, a, a relief pitcher that is above average. I, I think a mediocre starter that has the ability to give you six innings helps the team overall. It helps the bullpen mm-hmm. more overall than getting another reliever that has to go in in the fourth or the fifth inning. So, folks, you just heard it. Jake English uh, is advocating for Jeremy Guthrie to come back and sign with the Baltimore Orioles. No, we have Jeremy Guthrie in in the body of Ubaldo Jimenez. I uh, gotcha. All right. Well, I think we've harped on this enough, and I'm sure everyone else feels the same exact way as we do, that the pitching, of course, needs to improve. The question is, how and more so when is it going to improve? Um, You know what? Everyone knew this. What we really need to do is get to a few truths of the matter. Jake, let's do some truth or truth. Yes, Jake, this is when we ask the hard-hitting questions to each other of truth or truth. Scotty, I'm not even sure that we're up to the task tonight because these questions are so profound. They're so earth-shattering. But I want to start with you, Scott. Okay, well, let me let me play you some music and uh, then we can get started. Yeah, let's get in the mood. Go ahead. Scott, I need you to look deep within yourself and ask, answer this one question. Sure. Scott Magnus, truth or truth? Jake, I'll go with truth. Go ahead. All right. Which part of Manny Machado's impending Yankeedom will you find most troubling? Uh, I believe the moment that I'll find it most troubling is um, when he is being enshrined into uh, Yankee Stadium right next to Derek Jeter's uh, bust out there. 
and uh, they write it as some kind of terrible captain logo thing again. But yes, that that's going to be the most uncomfortable thing is when he is enshrined out there and not as a statue out at Canyons. In fact, it's literally seeing the game on Sunday with my wife and my kids were asking about Manny Machado and they were asking about the statues on and they're like, well, that's where all the Orioles Hall of Famers are. And if Manny stays with the team, he'll be out there too, but we'll see if he stays with the team. (laughs) And that's the kind of awful conversations you have to have with your four-year-old that they will never understand. (laughs) That's starting disappointment off very young. Right, exactly. So Jake, truth or truth on your side? I'm going to get... You know what? No. Truth. All right. So what giveaway would cause you to buy a ticket for more than $70? And of course, we're talking about Saturday's game where tickets were going for over $70 on venues such as StubHub. I don't even know. I, I'm the worst because Because you're I, cheap? No, because I don't get into bobbleheads. Sure. You know, I don't... There's a lot of crap that they give away that I'm just not interested in. I have to tell you. I hear they're going to do a giveaway later this year where every single individual that comes in the stadium gets a beer arita made with <laughs> tequila and Natty Bow. All right. You had me at beer arita. Um, I'm big on shirts because okay. you get to wear them again and again and again. So even though I didn't uh, try to go to that game, I, I understood why people wanted to go for the Maryland script jersey. But here's what I'm thinking. I would love an Orioles branded beer uh, caddy. Oh, okay. You know, like yeah, a little yeah, yeah. six pack holder. Wouldn't have to be sturdy, made of anything. You know, it doesn't have to be sure. solid mahogany or That's anything. That's a great idea. Let's give stuff that is wooden to fans during no, a game. No, it doesn't game. have to be wooden. It could be made of, you know, I don't know, plastic, synthetic fibers. Gotcha. Whatever. We saw how well that went with the fedora for Father's Day. <laughs> Literally disintegrates when it rains. Uh, so do Oriole leads. Um, Scotty. Yep. I need you to pay attention for this. Sure. Truth or truth. All right. Um, I'll go truth, I guess. All right. That was a mistake, but we'll go anyway. The Orioles have spent much of the Dark Ages without a true rival, unless, of course, you count the Tampa Bay Rays, uh, with whom they had a competition to see who could put the other in the cellar. Last year, it was clearly the Blue Jays with both teams being pretty good and uh, challenging for the ALE's crown and with one ending the other season in the quote-unquote playoffs. So, Scott, who is shaping up to be the Orioles' 2012 rival? Uh, 2017 rival? Or Did I say 12? You said 12, because we were reminiscing here, about the good old days. Let's, let's go back in the editing room. <laughs> who is shaping up to be the Orioles' 2017 rival? Jake, this answer is obvious. It is non-giveaway evenings at Camden Yards. Because obviously, if giveaways are occurring, it's going to be a sellout. But those games where it's not a giveaway and it's during weekday, eh, 10,000 or so folks. I was actually pretty impressed with attendance this past weekend. Um, In all honesty, 30,000 on Friday, 30,000 on Sunday, and then a sellout on on Saturday. It was a pretty nice attendance overall. I've been trying really hard not to beat the attendance drum because I feel like I I played that card a little too strongly last, last year, year really yeah. heavily. But yeah. so far this season, you've got to admit it's been it hasn't been terrible. No, it hasn't, and and you know the the team is hanging around first place. And but I, I think clearly the answer, Scotty, is that the Orioles' 2017 rival is uh, pitching absolutely th- their own. Yeah, but Scott, we can talk about truth, or we can talk about truth. But what really is truth? We're in 2017, Scott. Are we in 2012? <laughs> <laughs> who, who can tell? In fact, that's a that's a good point that I'm trying to illustrate. 
Scott, we've proven in this year that facts do not matter. From the lowest level to the highest levels of our society, facts simply do not matter. In fact, you can keep your facts, Scott. Okay. You can keep your truth. I'm going to keep my alternative facts, okay? Okay. Because that's what really matters. How I feel is what I know. Okay. And so I'm here to present you with a few alternative facts for all of you out there who are oh so smug with your real facts. Here's an alternative fact, Scott Magnus. The Oriole fans have have come to calling Adam Jones Cap 10 America. But the real truth is that Wellington Castillo is becoming the blossoming superhero that the Orioles need. In fact, this home run every time he gets up to the plate when it really matters is going to take place all season long. Okay. How can, how can you possibly counter that alternative fact? Have you watched this evening's game? I have. Okay. Does observing things mean anything, Scott? Eh, not, in, not in 2017 anymore, it doesn't. What about 2012? Eh. Let me give you this alternative fact. Paul Yanish versus Robert Andino is a conversation that Birdland should be having and should be very vocal about. <laughs> very vocal about. How dare the Orioles choose Paul Yanish over Robert Andino? Robert Andino is the greatest Orioles player of all time. And the fact that the Orioles continue to leave him in the minors wasting away is a spite on this, this in a tarnish and a taint on this organization. Dan Duquette, do the right thing. Bring Robert Andino up because this is going to save the season. Okay. Is there any reason that we can't just let Robert Andino be a pleasant memory? Uh, no. Absolutely not. You always have to go back to the well and continue to destroy your memories of goodness. He was recently on the Nashville Sounds, for God's sake. Yes. He is an org soldier at this point. Nothing good comes from Nashville, Matt Taylor. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> Scott, I won't let you I won't let you badmouth a friend of the program like that. Uh-huh. But I also won't let you tell me this. Okay. I won't let you tell me that there's anything wrong with MLB's replay system. MLB's replay system is working well and is far superior to a system that relies on human error in which getting the call right doesn't matter. In fact, we can systematically not get the calls right with MLB's replay system. And that is the future. We are living in the future in which computers get things wrong even though they are clearly not that way. And you can't tell me that this isn't better. There are ones and zeros telling me what's out and what's safe, Scott, and that's what MLB has brought us. They've brought us into the future of not getting calls right. And that is what's right with baseball. That's an interesting scenario. So it really wasn't Richie Garcia's fault back in 1997. It really was, I'm sorry, 96. It was a uh, was it 2012. No, it was not 2012. It doesn't matter, Scott. The thing is, is that those were people getting things wrong. We're fine with getting things wrong as long as it's computers telling us. Gotcha. It's an interesting theory. If we're going to have error, we can't have human error. It's got to be video error. Mm. It's a good one. Um, You know what we could have errors on? And it's normally you guessing what song is going to be played this week on Deep Cuts. Deep Cuts is becoming as predictably tragic as the Orioles games. Yeah. 
You do normally blow it late, so. All right, Jake. Um, so I gave you kind of a layup last week. I've, I've got to admit. I appreciate that. Um, Thank you. I think this one is isn't too bad, um, but I, I, I'm going to play it and then I'll give you a hint through it. And I, I think you'll get it, but let, let's see how well you do. Are you ready? I I think you'll get it. Is code for Jake? You were too stupid for this game. All right, let's try this. Is this song called Love is Strange? Yes. This is a cover. Um, it actually is not a cover. So the one that you, everyone always thinks of is Mickey and Sylvia yeah, right, right, for right. Love is Strange. Any chance? On the, on the Dirty Dancing soundtrack. Yes. Huh? Yeah. All right. So uh, any guesses for who's singing this? Let's just say maybe this individual had some very dark glasses on during the 1950s. Some big horn rim glasses. And let's just say that he probably shouldn't have flown in so many airplanes. Any guesses? Is this, uh, is this, um, did he die on a certain day, perhaps? Yes. Yes, he would have. This is Buddy Holly. This huh? is Buddy Holly. All right. So Bully Holly singing Love is Strange. And I thought Love is Strange would be kind of an apropos song for this weekend in Birdland because for as much as there's ups as there were during April, um, there is certain downs that happen throughout May. And um, yeah, Love is Strange in terms of going through this heartache of um, loving a team and turning in and knowing that, um, well, bad things are going to happen that night, but yet you still turn into it because you want to see the whole situation through. So Jake, Buddy Holly, Love is Strange this evening for Deep Cuts. All right, I got the song. I need a lot of help with the artist. Is that a, is that half credit? Do we give half credit here? You do get half credit for that. a C minus? You get a C minus. But again, you were able to recognize the song right away. And I'm glad that you said, oh, this is a cover because uh, a lot of people would have gone right away with, this is Love is Strange by Mickey and Sylvia. I'd be like, no, like it com- sounds completely uh, different than uh, Mickey and Sylvia. Um, here, uh, just just to put in put in perspective, this is classic, Mickey and Sylvia. All right, well, Old Man Corner is over now, <laughs> but we had a good time with this the, one, folks. The kids find love is strange and especially lit. So, am I Mickey or Sylvia? Just by the way, can I be Sylvia? You can be Sylvia. Nice, Sylvia. By the way, the name of every old woman on the far side. Absolutely. All right. Well, with that, I think we have uh, ruined this segment enough for this week. If anyone is still listening, thank you. And uh, let's go ahead and dabble into the good, the bad, and the ugly. That's right. It's it's time again. It's time for the good, the bad, 
and the ugly. This is a segment where we look back at the week in Orioles baseball and we pick out the performances of those that made us proud and those that made us ashamed to be Orioles fans. And that's all good and fine. But Scott, I'm not interested in it this week. But you say you couldn't even pay attention to what was going on really this week. No, it's not that I couldn't pay attention. It's that I was so emotionally numb to it. But Scott, I want to talk about the good and the bad and the ugly of what was really important in Birdland this week. And that is, of course, the return of the 2017 nickname audit from the Baltimoreans. Again, if you haven't turned off this podcast and gone listen to it, well, shame on you because you're about to be spoiled. Spoiler alert. Scotty, I want to talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly of the Baltimoreans' nicknames. Um, I'm going to go ahead and and get started because I'm going to go off the wall here. Okay. My good for the podcast had nothing to do with the nicknames. I was so in love with getting another uh, Baltimoreans episode because this was vintage B-morons. Absolutely. It, it had all the, the pieces and my favorite and part. And saved to a certain regard by Godzilla halfway through. Yeah, because absolutely. you could see, you know, they were struggling out there. And sure enough, they went to the bullpen and called in Godzilla to save them, basically. Because you could see they were winded for not having to do a podcast for quite a time. Uh, my favorite part, I giggled the most at the ending Henry Urudia pun. Yes. Uh, it, 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 they floundered at the end. It, right. They were like, what do I do with my hands here at the end of the podcast? They went back to the familiar and they saved it. I, I think that was the highlight of the show for me. The end? The it end. always is the, the highlight of most Orioles podcasts. It, 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 like so many before, was the pun that left me wanting more. All right, well... In my opinion, there were a few highlights from the good category. I'm really left struggling with ones that um, are are not out of the top category. But if I had to go with one, and I think I mentioned to you this when we were kind of getting ready, I think J.J. Hardy's Too Legit to Hit has to be uh, an easy top three. The other top two that I was kind of playing with was Dylan Bundy as Wonder Buns. <laughs> and uh, my third one, I'm going to go with the Unbreakable Kimmy Hits for Hansu Kim, which uh, tickled me in just the right way today. Didn't they do Kim Possible last year? They did year? Kim Possible as well. <laughs> I think they are hitting on full cylinders when it comes to, uh, to Hansu Kim. Uh, can I move along to the bad category? Yeah. The bad category is is almost as much my fault as it is theirs. Um, I sent in a couple of recommendations, and I thought of this and failed to send it in. But more than that, I'm ashamed that they didn't think of this. They they talked about Henry Rudia. Uh, Henry Rudia, listen to me. They talked about Trey Mancini. And uh, for Mancini, they went with a couple of options, one of which had to do with a, uh, a composer, Mancini, and they did not go with the author of The Baby Elephant Walk. Yep. That's a problem. That is a problem. Because with his age and with his gangliness, I think Baby Elephant is a pretty good nickname for Trey Mancini. So I'm sorry that I could not spoon feed that to you gentlemen. But as far as I'm concerned, that's a bad miss. I'm also partly have an issue with Abaldo Jimenez uh, as a bad too. They went with Homer, but I personally thought that yours Tower of Terror actually was it was much better. I really felt like they took the Doe and the Homer and said, you know what, we're going to let two people win as opposed to the Tower of Terror. So again, not to seem self, you know, promoting, but uh, Homer for Abaldo, it just doesn't have the right 
aspect to scream out, as is the criteria for a for a nickname audit. Scott, I could not disagree with you more. Okay. And that is a perfect segue into my ugly. Okay. My ugly goes to Sam Dingman. Ooh. Sam, this is unacceptable. It took you four long years of the Abaldo Jimenez experience to get to Homer or don't. I think that's a great nickname. And the fact that you couldn't connect the dots from a ball dough to Homer, his favorite hit to give up, frankly shows that you are slipping, my friend. And you need to get your head back in the game and produce regular podcasts for me to listen to my favorite Baltimore Orioles podcast. You, Sam Dingman, and by association, Alan Smith, are ugly. Jake, the most obvious ugly was Manny Machado the Manchise. This criteria in itself of giving such a terrible nickname to one of the best players on the Baltimore Orioles is the reason in itself why Manny Machado will go and play for a different team in two years. So Sam Dingman and Alan Smith, if you truly are that concerned with Manny Machado going to play for the New York Yankees and you're willing to bet your baseball-watching future on it, please... Pay him the proper respect and the proper due diligence of giving him a decent nickname. And with that, boys, you're on notice. I don't think we've got anything else to really harp on the Baltimoreans too much about. Again, boys, we're glad you're back. Just try to do a little better next time. But it was overall, it was a B minus, okay? Stay with us, boys. Yes. Stay with us. Scotty, it's the it's time. Can you blow the save for us? We can blow the save. So, Jake, you know I'm a big numbers guy. You know. You? Yeah. You know I love coming across uh, certain oddities, and I, I love coming across the aspect of when weird things happen, I like to point it out. And sometimes it gets the best of me. I, I point out, like, uh, you know, that home one hasn't happened um, that often. Uh, it might have happened 3% of the time this season or 10% of the time. And, and I like to put things into context. Um, and, and one number that has been kind of striking me uh, striking me a little bit lately has been the probability um, of one in 2,000. And it has a certain context movement right now. So um, one in 2,000 in baseball situations is the chance that there could be a no-hitter on a nightly basis, which I find interesting. Uh, the other instances that there is one in 2,000, which is a little bit more personal to me, is there is a one in 2,000 chance that a individual – um, can be born with spina bifida. And unfortunately, um, me and my wife are going to be having a uh, a situation with um, our family um, where, again, we talked about this early in the season, that a uh, we are going to be having a lovely baby girl um, in the upcoming few months. But unfortunately, um, there's a few complications. So um, I appreciate a bunch of people out in Birdland um, reaching out to me, talking to me about the situation. Um, I appreciate the thoughts and concerns um, and appreciate any thoughts and concerns for this upcoming week um, where me and my family have um, to deal with a, a difficult time. And Jake, your family has been there for us. I appreciate that. Um, it, you know, it's the kind of family and, and you know, support that I come to expect. Um, but the one thing that really struck me as um, going to Johns Hopkins and 
it really amazes me um, how amazing this city is. You walk into that facility, you talk to the doctors, and you hear it all the time about um, how, you know, it's a part of Baltimore or anything like that. But it's only once you go there and you start seeing how amazing a place that is um, that it really um, strikes you as how amazing Baltimore can be in a certain instance. Um, it's also a quite a realistic aspect where you walk two blocks in the opposite direction of Johns Hopkins and you're in the middle of a crack den. Um, but uh, again, it, numbers are always an interesting thing to me. Um, and I, I look at this as our, our third child, um, and it came right out of the blue. Um, and I, I'm still getting over the fact that it, it's going to happen um, but again, I would appreciate anyone's thoughts and prayers or just well wishes um, in this upcoming week while we deal with a, a tough situation. So I appreciate all the support that I've gotten so far um, from a lot of folks in Birdland. Scotty, uh, numbers may be your, uh, maybe your forte. Mine is more the emotion of the game, the storylines, one that lead to another. <clears throat> Here's another one. Irony. Mm. Irony. Uh, you, sir, yes, may be a schmuck, yes, but uh, I'm looking very forward, uh, very much forward to meeting this little girl. Uh, congrats to you and all of Birdland. I can say, with uh, with a lot of confidence, is firmly behind you. So with that, that's our show. Um, and remember, you can find this and our entire catalog of indispensable episodes at birdseyeviewbaltimore.com. Bird's Eye View is a proud member of the Baltimore Sports Report Network. You can find this show on baltimoresportsreport.com slash network and also at baseballtalkradio.com, the home of great baseball talk. Bird's Eye View is available on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play Music, and we would appreciate a rating and review. It helps establish what we call social proof about this show and encourages new listeners to check it out. And if you get a chance, head on over to the Baltimore Rowan's website and give them a review too because... Those boys need the social encouragement. Engage with us on social media. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, Google+, and Snapchat. But the best way to get a hold of us is on Twitter, where we tweet at BirdseyeViewBAL. And uh, with that, Baltimore and beyond, I'll bid you all a fond adieu-adieu. Good night, Baltimore. Be safe out there. And let's go find some bullpen arms. Don't look directly into the game tonight. It will hurt your soul. You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go.